This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of clinical trial design from the basic science section on orthobullets.com. Clinical trial design impacts level of evidence, and for a more detailed review of level of evidence, be sure to listen to that podcast episode. Clinical trials may be either observational or experimental. In observational clinical trials, researchers observe patient groups without allocation of intervention. They may be either prospective or retrospective, and they may be descriptive or analytic. Descriptive is useful for obtaining background information for more advanced studies. Examples include case reports, case series, and cross-sectional studies. An analytic observational study explores the association between a given outcome and a potentially related variable. Examples include a case control study, a cohort study, or a meta-analysis. In an experimental clinical trial, researchers allocate treatment, and this allows the evaluation of efficacies of therapeutic interventions. Examples include a double-blinded, prospective, randomized clinical trial, which is the gold standard for evidence-based medicine. So now let's talk about randomized controlled trials in a bit more detail. So a randomized clinical trial is defined as a study in which patients are randomly assigned to the treatment or control group and are followed prospectively. This provides the most compelling evidence that the study treatment causes the expected effect on human health. And remember that randomization minimizes study bias. Study designs for a randomized controlled trial include a parallel group, a crossover study, a factorial study, a cluster study, and a single-blinded study versus a double-blinded study. In a parallel group, each participant is randomly assigned to a group, and all the participants in the group receive or do not receive an intervention. In a crossover study, there is administration of two or more therapies, one after the other, in a random order. Keep in mind that this type of design is susceptible to bias if the washout period is inadequate. Again, a crossover study design is susceptible to bias if the washout period is inadequate. In a factorial study design, each participant is randomly assigned to a group that receives a particular combination of interventions or non-interventions. In a cluster study design, pre-existing groups of participants, for example villages or schools, are randomly selected to receive or not receive an intervention. As far as the analysis in a randomized controlled trial, it's important to talk about the intent-to-treat analysis. This is the outcomes based on the group into which they were randomized, regardless of whether the participant actually received the planned intervention. An intent-to-treat analysis minimizes non-responder bias. A per-protocol analysis excludes patients who are not compliant with the protocol guidelines. Now let's go over a quick example of a randomized controlled trial. You want to determine whether your new toothpaste prevents cavities better than your old toothpaste. You randomly assign a large number of patients to either an intervention group, which uses the new toothpaste, or to a control group, which uses the old toothpaste. You would then measure the amount of cavities between the groups over time. Some well-known orthopedic literature examples of randomized controlled trials include surgical versus non-operative treatment for lumbar disc herniation, the Spine Patient Outcomes Research Trial, or the SPORT trial, which was a randomized trial published in JAMA in 2006. Another example includes, should insertion of intramedullary nails for tibial fractures be with or without reaming? A prospective randomized study with 3.8 years follow-up in the Journal of Orthopedic Trauma, published in 2004. 
Another example includes non-operative treatments compared with plate fixation of displaced mid-shaft clavicular fractures, a multi-center randomized clinical trial that was published in JBJS in 2007. Now let's talk about cohort studies in a bit more detail. A cohort study is defined as a study in which patient groups are separated non-randomly by exposure or treatment with exposure occurring after, that is in a prospective cohort study, or before, that is in a retrospective study, the initiation of the study. A cohort study can be either level two or level three evidence. As far as the analysis in a cohort study, results are usually reported as relative risk. Again, in a cohort study, the analysis results are usually reported as relative risk. An example of a cohort study is if you want to determine if smoking is a risk factor for the development of lung cancer, and you identify a group of smokers and a group of non-smokers, and then follow them over time measuring the desired outcome, and in this case, lung cancer. Some well-known orthopedic literature examples of cohort studies include a prospective cohort study of lower extremity orthopedic surgery on outcome measures in ambulatory children with cerebral palsy, which was published in the Journal of Pediatric Orthopedics in 2009. Another example includes functional outcomes following displaced Taylor neck fractures that was published in the Journal of Orthopedic Trauma in 2004. And another example includes risk of revision for fixed versus mobile bearing primary total knee replacements in JBJS in 2012. Now let's talk about case control studies in a bit more detail. A case control study is defined as a study in which patient groups are separated by the current presence, that is cases, or absence, that is controls, of disease and examined for the prior exposure of interest. As far as the level of evidence, most case control studies are level 3 evidence. As far as the analysis, a case control study is usually reported as an odds ratio. Again, the analysis of a case control study is usually reported as an odds ratio. An example of a case control study is if you want to determine if smoking is a risk factor for the development of lung cancer, and you compare the smoking history of individuals with lung cancer, that are the cases, and those without lung cancer, that is the controls. Some well-known orthopedic literature examples of case control studies include fluoride in drinking water and risk of hip fracture in the UK, which was a case control study published in Lancet in 2000. Another example includes risk factors for retained instruments and sponges after surgery, published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2003. And another example includes risk factors and short-term mortality of venous thromboembolism diagnosed in the primary care setting in the United Kingdom, which was published in the Archives of Internal Medicine in 2007. Now let's talk about meta-analysis in a bit more detail. A meta-analysis is a systematic review that summarizes results of other studies. As far as evidence, a meta-analysis may be used to increase the statistical power of several underpowered studies. An example of a meta-analysis is if you want to determine if wearing sunscreen results in fewer cases of melanoma, and then you pool the results of nine randomized control studies and statistically analyze the data to determine the effect of the relationship. Some well-known orthopedic literature examples of a meta-analysis include internal fixation compared with arthroplasty for displaced fractures of the femoral neck, a meta-analysis which was published in JBJS in 2003. Another example includes vertebroplasty and kyphoplasty, a systematic review of 69 clinical studies, which was published in Spine in 2006. 
Another example of a meta-analysis is influence of osteoporosis on fracture fixation, a systematic literature review, which was published in Osteoporosis International in 2008. Now let's talk about a cross-sectional study in a bit more detail. A cross-sectional study is defined as a study group that is analyzed at a given time or a quote-unquote snapshot with no follow-up. An example of a cross-sectional study is if you want to determine the prevalence of baseball injuries during the 2003 Little League season. Some well-known orthopedic literature examples of cross-sectional studies include variability in the definition and perceived causes of delayed unions and non-unions, a cross-sectional multinational survey of orthopedic surgeons that was published in JBJS in 2012. Another example is hypovitaminosis D in patients scheduled to undergo orthopedic surgery, a single-center analysis, which was published in JBJS in 2010. And another example of a cross-sectional study is treatment preferences for displaced three- and four-part proximal humerus fractures that was published in the Journal of Orthopedic Trauma in 2010. And finally, let's talk about a case series in a bit more detail. A case series is defined as a retrospective account of multiple patients with the same injury or treatment with no control or comparison group. This is useful for generating hypotheses for additional studies. As far as the level of evidence, a case series is level 4 evidence. An example of a case series is if you have found that several of your patients who have used a new lipid-lowering medication have developed hemorrhagic cysts, you want to alert other members of the community of this possible association. Some well-known orthopedic literature examples of a case series include familial bilateral osteochondritis desiccans of the femoral head that was published in JBJS in 2009. Another example is familial osteofibrous dysplasia, a case series which was published in JBJS in 2005. And another example of a case series is treatment of posterior cruciate ligament tibial avulsion fractures through a modified open posterior approach, operative technique, and 12 to 48 month outcomes that was published in the Journal of Orthopedic Trauma in 2008. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A study was designed to measure the benefit of subacromial corticosteroid injections. Participants were randomized to methylprednisolone acetate 40 mg with lidocaine 1% or lidocaine 1% alone. The participants were not provided with information of their treatment allocation. The subacromial injection was prepared and administered by a single orthopedic surgeon. Results were collected by the orthopedic surgeon using clinical and patient satisfaction outcome scores at 6, 12, and 24 weeks. Which of the following would best describe this type of study? And the choices are 1. Double-blinded, randomized, and controlled study. 2. Single-blinded, randomized study. 3. Retrospective study. 4. Case control study. And 5. Prospective cohort study. The correct answer to this question is two, single-blinded randomized study. So the design of this study would be best described as a single-blinded randomized study. And to quickly review, single-blinded studies are designed to reduce bias in the treatment groups. Treatment allocation and results are withheld from the participants, but the experimenter will be in full possession of the results and outcomes. Experimenter's bias can influence the validity of the study, and so a double-blinded study in this scenario would have been a better study design. Cox et al. looked at the design of clinical studies. 
A triple-blinded randomized study is an extension of the double-blinded design where the committee overseeing the response variables and data are not told of the participants' allocation within the study. Blinded studies intend to reduce observation bias associated with unblinded studies. Moving on to the next question. A study is proposed in which two groups of patients are randomized to treatment with bisphosphonates or placebo. This is an example of what study type? And the choices are one, crossover design trial, two, parallel design trial, three, cohort study, and four, case series. The correct answer to this question is two, parallel design trial. So in a parallel design trial, participants are randomized to two or more groups, each of which receives a different treatment or intervention. For example, group A receives the drug and group B receives the placebo. This type of design allows for comparison between groups. In a crossover design clinical trial, both groups receive both interventions over a defined time period. For example, groups A and B both receive the drug as well as the placebo. This allows for within-participant comparisons. In a cohort study, patient groups are followed over time on the basis of having or not having received an exposure. Cohort studies are not randomized. In a case series, patients often receive a particular treatment and the outcomes are then examined. Moving on to the next question. The use of evidence-based studies among professions associated with healthcare, including purchasing and management, is known as, and the choices are one, decision analysis, two, cost utility analysis, three, cost-benefit analysis, four, cost-effectiveness analysis, and five, evidence-based healthcare. The correct answer to this question is five, evidence-based healthcare. So evidence-based healthcare extends the application of the principles of evidence-based medicine to all professions associated with healthcare. This concept is becoming more important because data will be used by the different parties for their decision-making, that is policymakers, health insurances, hospitals, doctors, and the public. Cost-benefit analysis refers to the conversion of effects into the same monetary terms as the cost and compares them. Cost-effectiveness analysis refers to the conversion of effects into health terms and describes the cost for some additional health gain, for example, cost per additional event prevented. Cost-utility analysis refers to the conversion of effects into personal preferences, or utilities, and describes how much it costs for some additional quality gain, for example, cost per additional quality-adjusted life year. Decision analysis refers to the application of explicit quantitative methods to analyze decisions under conditions of uncertainty. Moving on to the next question. A clinical trial is underway for patients with wrist extensor tendinitis. One group of 100 patients are treated with short-arm casting. Another group of 100 patients are treated with physical therapy. During analysis of the results, it becomes apparent that 30 patients in the physical therapy group did not complete the full course of physical therapy. Despite not completing a full course of physical therapy, these 30 patients were included in the physical therapy group for analysis. This analysis is an example of which of the following, and the choices are one, per protocol, two, crossover analysis, three, intent to treat, four, Bayesian analysis, and five, effect size. The correct answer to this question is three, intent to treat. So this is an example of an intent to treat analysis. 
and to review the intent-to-treat approach aims to keep similar groups similar by not allowing for patient selection based on post-randomization outcomes that includes failure to comply with the protocol. This type of analysis ensures the power of randomization so that important unknown variables that impact outcome are likely to be dispersed equally in each comparison group. Conversely, a per-protocol comparison in a clinical trial excludes patients who are not compliant with the protocol guidelines. Berger et al. in a Level 5 review discussed many of the principles beyond randomization that are critical for the comparability of the different groups. They report that masking, allocation concealment, restrictions on the randomization, adjustment for prognostic variables, and the intent-to-treat approach to data analysis are important features of designing a good clinical trial. Moving on to the next question. A study is proposed in which 50 patients with osteonecrosis of the knee are compared with 23 patients without osteonecrosis in terms of their alcohol consumption levels. This is an example of what type of study? And the choices are 1. Case control, 2. Cohort, 3. Cross-sectional, 4. Randomized, and 5. Longitudinal. The correct answer to this question is 1. Case control. So in a case control study, all the subjects are selected based on whether they have, that is cases, or do not have, that is the controls, the disease or outcome of interest. Case control studies are retrospective as they always look back to see how a certain risk factor may be different between the two groups. The main aspect of a cross-sectional study is that it is designed to look at a representative sample of the entire population of interest at a single point in time. Longitudinal studies follow groups of subjects over a period of time. A cohort study follows a particular group in relation to an event, studying them at intervals of time, and uses objective outcome criteria. In a randomized control study, subjects are divided randomly into control and experimental groups to balance both the known and unknown differences between the groups. Moving on to the next question. What is the primary purpose of utilizing a computer random number generator for patient randomization when designing a level 1 therapeutic controlled trial? And the choices are 1. To increase treatment effect. 2. To prevent selection bias. 3. To generate enough power. 4. To achieve statistical significance. And 5. To perform as-treated analysis. The correct answer to this question is 2. To prevent selection bias. So a randomized controlled trial is the study design that can provide the most compelling evidence that the study treatment causes the expected effect on human health. The advantages of proper randomization include it eliminates bias in treatment assignment, specifically selection bias and confounding. It facilitates blinding or masking of the identity of treatments from investigators, participants, and assessors. And it permits the use of probability theory to express the likelihood that any difference in outcome between treatment groups merely indicates chance. In the reference by Poolman et al., reviewed all JBJS articles from 2003 to 2004 and found that 31% of the studies used modified outcome questionnaires and frequently did not describe how they modified the questionnaires. They also recommend that operating surgeons do not collect the outcome data in order to minimize bias. Moving on to the next question. A clinical study for lateral epicondylitis allocates one group to receive physical therapy for four weeks and another group a new oral medication for four weeks. Then the two groups immediately switch therapies with one another for the next four weeks. The half-life of the medication used in the study is two weeks. 
which of the following best describes the bias that is present in this study group? And the choices are one, recall bias, two, verification bias, three, washout period bias, four, detection bias, and five, incorporation bias. The correct answer to this question is three, washout period bias. So in a crossover study design, the washout period is the time between therapies receiving no therapy so that the effect of the first therapy is allowed to wear off. In this scenario, the medication's long half-life may continue to have effects after the first group receiving the medication has switched to the physical therapy treatment. Verification bias occurs when results of a diagnostic test influence whether patients are assigned to a treatment group. Incorporation bias occurs when someone studies a diagnostic test that includes features of the target outcome. Recall bias occurs when patients who experience an adverse outcome have a different likelihood of recalling an exposure than others that don't have an adverse outcome. Detection bias occurs when one looks more carefully for an outcome in one specific group more than the other group or groups. And moving on to the final question. A research study is initially designed as a high-quality randomized controlled trial. The study seeks to demonstrate a different clinical outcome with treatment A compared to treatment B for a specific disease. However, at the completion of the study, the investigators are only able to obtain 70% follow-up of patients. What level of evidence should be assigned to this study? And the choices are 1, 1, 2, 2, 3, 3, 4, 4, and 5, 5. The correct answer to this question is 2, 2. So a randomized clinical trial is a study design that is appropriate to demonstrate statistically that a clinical outcome in one treatment group is different from that in another treatment group. A properly designed randomized controlled trial that meets certain criteria is considered level 1 evidence. In the AAOS Comprehensive Orthopedic Review and the article by Wright et al., states that randomized controlled trials that have less than 80% follow-up, no blinding, or improper randomization are lesser quality studies and qualify as level 2 evidence. This is also the criteria used by JBJS America for assigning levels of evidence for randomized controlled trials. The randomized controlled trial in this question has a 70% follow-up and therefore would be considered level 2 evidence. Level 2 evidence also includes prospective cohort studies whereby patient groups are separated non-randomly by exposure or treatment, with exposure occurring after the initiation of the study. Level 3 evidence includes retrospective cohort studies and case control studies whereby patient groups are separated by the current presence or absence of disease and examined for the prior exposure of interest. Level 4 evidence includes a case series of multiple patients with the same treatment but no control group or comparison group. Level 5 evidence includes a case report, expert opinion, or anecdotal evidence. That's all for this review about clinical trial design. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. If you've gotten any value from the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow.